Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, my friend, how are you today? It's the dawn of a new blend of the month, and I'm feeling excited. How are you feeling? I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Christian's intrigued, folks. And as you know, if you listened to the show last week or you're just very adept at reading podcast episode descriptions, you know that we are going to take a look at David Leach this month. So a lot of modern movies, looking at some action movies, and it should be pretty interesting because he's one of the foremost voices in Hollywood action blockbusters today. Uh, Christian, if you had to... I guess maybe not rate on a scale of one to ten, but just how to describe your current understanding of Leech or familiarity with him. How you know what would you say? I know that he directed John Wick. Yes, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that's 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 the extent of knowledge that I hold. Okay, that's okay, Christian, and hopefully we can enjoy some some good movies together this month, because we're, of course, starting with Bullet Train, and we will cover John Wick, and that's coming next week, and we have another one that we will watch, and we'll save that as a little treat, so you can keep following along, folks, but he has definitely moved up the Hollywood ranks as of late, which is partly why I wanted to talk about him. Not only has he recently gotten into directing and producing, he's also gotten to be a part of some major franchises. He directed Deadpool 2. Which have you seen, Christian? I do. I, I, I did know that. Deadpool 2 is, is such a disappointment. What? <laughs> Change of plans. John Wick is out. Deadpool 2 is in. No, I'm just kidding. I, I know that, that that didn't have... You know, some people disliked it compared to the first one. I was still a fan, but I can't complain too hard. He also directed Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Christian, are you a Hobbs and Shaw fan? <laughs> I have seen Fast and Furious 8. <laughs> that's right both of us are have very weird histories with fast and furious because the only ones i've seen are the original i've seen too fast too furious but i barely comprehended it because i was in a room full of people all of whom were talking over it and then i saw hobbs and shaw so <laughs> missed a few in the middle there but leach has been around hollywood for a very long time he actually started out in stunts, not not even as a stunt coordinator at first, just a regular stuntman participating in movies, big and small. It's always fun seeing he the IMDb's for these guys. Stunt double, <laughs> and yes, he would go on to become Brad Pitt's stunt double, which of course, with Bullet Train coming out, it's the two of them reteaming after Brad Pitt's cameo in Deadpool two. So <laughs> reteaming in a real way for Bullet Train, but he was his stunt double in Fight Club. And in a bunch of movies after that, up to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So shout out to all you Brangelina fans out there, because uh, David Leach got to be Brad for that movie. <laughs> Brangelina's dead. Oh, Jesus Christian. <laughs> Neither of them are dead, just their relationship, <laughs> for all of you uninformed in Hollywood. But he's he's honestly had quite a cool career, and that's partly why I wanted to talk about him. He, uh, To the best of my knowledge, I, I don't think he's a nepotism child. Obviously, starting out in stunts and working his way up to stunt coordinator, to second unit director, ultimately stepping into the director's chair with Chad Stahelski for John Wick, and we'll get more into that next week. But he's become one of the biggest action directors in Hollywood. Like, we're not just talking about small movies here, but we're talking about big franchise movies, and even with Bullet Train, big $90 million movies with movie stars. So he just had a pretty cool career so far, and I'm looking forward to getting more familiar with it and talking about it with you this month here on the show, Christian. 
so a little bit of information now on Bullet Train, because of course that is the movie that we're going to be discussing. Christian, how excited were you for this one? Because I know for me, it came up on our top five most anticipated movies of 2022 when we made that episode near the end of last year. I was incredibly excited because this was, there, there are some movies where I go, I need to have fun at the movie theater. And I shared similar excitement for The King's Man, a movie that kind of, kind of, well, honestly, The King's Man shares some similarities to Bullet Train. And I don't think you've seen The King's Man, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up later, where the director is very much trying to do something interesting with the story. The director is very much trying to do, uh, trying to weave action into uh, like a pro- as a propelling force for this story and we'll, we'll see how successful that was that we will christian i i'm genuinely very curious about your thoughts on this movie because obviously it's one i had been looking forward to for a very long time was very excited to see and i had a bit of an interesting reaction to it so we'll have to see what you think too once we get to our full review here but of course want to drop some quick details on the movie of course in case you for whatever reason, have been living under a rock and have not seen the many commercials, or if you don't live in Los Angeles like us and have not seen all of the physical advertisements too. But of course, Bullet Train follows Brad Pitt as Ladybug, a in process of being reformed criminal. He's a snatch and grab guy who gets a new job to jump onto a bullet train in Tokyo. He has to get a briefcase that has a bunch of money in it, of course, because what else would it have? And he finds out along the way that there are other people from the criminal underworld on this train, all on different jobs, different missions that are starting to intersect. And he has to figure out what is going on before it reaches Kyoto, where they're going to be met by an extremely dangerous uh, mob boss by the name of the White Death. It was, of course, directed by Leach, and the screenplay was by Zach Olkevitz. I am not familiar with him, and I hope that's how you pronounce his last name, but it was based on the novel Maria Beetle, which was published in English as Bullet Train. The novel is by Kotaro Isaka, and apparently there were some pretty big changes from the novel, so we'll see how you feel about that too, Christian. Uh, Brad Pitt does lead an ensemble cast here, featuring, among many others, Joey King, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, and Sandra Bullock. Anyone you want to shout out to before we get to their performances later, Christian? I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sonata, that's, um, who, who are like the, you know, the, the, the mainstay Japanese actors we got, which honestly was a criticism of this movie. And I don't know if you were going to talk about it, but that it's, they, they kept a Japanese location from a Japanese novel but input American actors into uh, as as the heroes, and so there was controversy surrounding it beforehand because it was almost like people were saying that Japanese actors or or um, in 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 greater view Asian actors could not headline a movie an action movie themselves. Right. Yeah. It's which of course is being proven you know untrue over and over again we had movies like um crazy rich asians movies like shang chi and the legend of the ten rings which feature predominantly if not fully asian casts and made tons of money at the global box office so definitely it's something that is i don't know it's interesting to think about for the movie because obviously hollywood's been remaking things from you know international sources 
for decades and decades. I mean, probably for over 100 years at this point. But I think there, there's a little blurb about it just that I saw online where um, David Inoue, I might have gotten that wrong, but Inoue, who's the executive director of the Japanese American Citizens League, basically criticized it for, like you were saying, Christian, not fully remaking this so that it was, say, on a bullet train for, or like on a train from Los Angeles to San Francisco, where it would make sense to have a you know very diverse cast, but rather taking this distinctly Japanese story from a Japanese author and inserting a bunch of Hollywood movie stars into it. And it's still a fairly diverse cast, although a lot of the major roles are played by white American actors who are appearing in this you know, Japanese story. Uh, but there's a lot of changes to the novel as well. So I ultimately don't know, or a lot of changes from the novel, I should say. So I ultimately don't know what to make of it. I think the criticisms and the accusations are certainly valid. Um, and I'm not here to say that it's like, ah, whatever, <laughs> you know, like I, I understand that people could like very justifiably be upset about this movie. Um, although I think Sony and kind of some of their corporate BS was trying to say, you know, we want to honor the spirit of the story, but kind of reorienting this movie to be the action movie that we're going to make it out to be. And that is changing it enough that it, it makes sense to cast Brad Pitt as the lead character. But I don't know. What, what, what's your take on it, Christian? I, if you have an opinion on it. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm reminded a little bit of Edge of Tomorrow because Edge of Tomorrow was also based on a Japanese manga and Japanese novel. But I think what they did there was they actually relocated it to Europe. So it's, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with adaptation. I mean, it goes both ways. Uh, Kurosawa constantly wanted to adapt Shakespearean plays in Japanese settings. And, and it can be a ton of fun. I think the issue here is when it's, let's keep it in Japan and just not have Japanese headliners. So, uh, it, it doesn't, thankfully, it didn't influence what I thought about the movie, it's much more so pointing to a larger issue at all as to what you perceive to be profitable. Profitable does not need to be your perception of what where profit can come from. Right. It, it's, it's a business issue. And it's obviously representation is increasingly becoming both good for art, but also good for business. So because it's hard is, to... This avoid is not being a white savior about it sometimes. Movie. Right. It's there's no not really a white yeah, not really a white savior element here. Um it's really just about the casting and the changes from the source novel and and making it an international story as opposed to a distinctly Japanese story. When you very likely could have gotten great Japanese or Japanese American actors to make this movie. So definitely interesting and very much food for thought. It's obviously something to consider as we get into this movie. Of course, still worthy of, of watching, discussing, evaluating, but certainly something to consider. Anything else you want to add on that before we get into it? No, let's just get into it. All right, here we go. Just uh, one final thing to mention, of course, uh, as we like to discuss the box office for these movies as well. Bullet Train is apparently well on its way to being a hit. Uh, made for a budget between 85 and $90 million, at least according to Wikipedia, and already pulled in over $69 million in international box office. So high likelihood that some of our wonderful listeners out there have caught up with this, and hopefully our discussion will spur on a few more of you to see it. But obviously you should be able to find people to go with because it's had some good uh, good financial returns so far but christian unfortunately it's also had some mixed critical reviews i've definitely seen some positive reactions from critics definitely seen some negative reactions from critics and it seems like maybe a, a normal normal folks response is also above average but not a lot of people who are like screaming and singing the praises of bullet train and 
what your opening question is going to be about is, I think, one of the major reasons for that. Uh, at least listening to one of the podcasts that I listen to that's about movies, the major criticism listed was just this movie's tone. The source novel by Isaka is apparently darker, a bit more serious, and more of a thriller than, than an action comedy. And that is what Leech made here, with, of course, Olkevitz writing and probably Brad Pitt acting as unofficial producer on set. You have this movie that is supposed to be sort of a dark underworld thriller that's become a bit more lighthearted, a bit goofier, and almost cavalier in its approach to the violence that is on display. And this movie certainly has its fair share of violent displays. So, Christian, just to start off our discussion, what did you think of the tone of this movie? Did it work for you? Was it distracting? What do you think? Okay. Um, this movie starts off with the scene of a man whose son is in the hospital and there's nothing at all humorous about it it's just this very very serious kind of a view into a tragedy that has struck them and then ships into brad pitt kind of like dancing his way down to music a street as he wants to capture his bullet train and i am thrown off a little bit because especially it feels like the the japanese characters are there for seriousness and the non-japanese characters are there for humor um and it is i did not think it worked well because they are trying to interweave comedy and honestly extreme gore and it's 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 not popping for me but i i also say that slightly reserved because believe it or not i think this is a pretty well directed movie so where 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 are you standing on this it's interesting. I, I think in asking that question, I wanted to shout out a, a quote that we've said before on this show. It's from one of the two Cohen brothers, but basically describing the role of the director. They, they just to say it's it's tone management, making sure the movie has a consistent tone throughout, which obviously directing is so much more than simply tone management, but it's an important piece of making a, a good movie. And I will say, I think in the moment, I didn't notice the 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 seriousness and the lightheartedness really struggling to meld although i i didn't really like go head over heels for bullet train i didn't notice that at first but something that stuck with me on reflection and like you're saying this movie literally opens on a hospital bed with a child in it who has been not just injured but pushed off of a building and we have to and part of the narrative figures is figuring out who did that and why and it's very different from when they cut to Ladybug, Brad Pitt's character, walking down and starting to share his therapist's musings with Sandra Bullock over the phone. And it, it's definitely, it's a weird blend at first, but I think that the bulk of the movie tries to fit into this kind of goofy, silly, action comedy tone that mostly works. And then it takes these turns these detours back into the very serious drama and it is interesting because i think what's what makes me laugh is a lot of the like americanness of this movie 
is what's lighthearted. And the Japanese characters have the very serious drama unfolding in front of them. And so, it, I don't know, it, it sort of stood out to me as emblematic of the change from the novel almost, where the American influence on this story is what made it more lighthearted and comedic, whereas the original story is a little more serious and more thriller than action comedy. So it, it didn't really drag for me in the moment, but it's definitely something I thought about when I was reflecting on the movie, listening to some other people talk about it as well. But I, okay, here, here's, the plot is convoluted to, to a ridiculous extent. Yes. And, and starts off that way. This is, this is the issue with this movie. The ensemble is all given such big stories from the get-go it's difficult to build a relationship with them like the the when we get a shot of Aaron Taylor Johnson and, and Brian Tyree's Henry's characters who uh Tangerine and Lemon are are the names that they go by and uh, how um they start off by talking about a hit they did and then they they are are talking about whether they did sixteen or seventeen deaths on that hit, and you go on this weird flashback scene where it shows you all the deaths that occurred there. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking, I don't know these characters well enough yet to actually care about how lighthearted they're talking about the hits that they've done. Be, it's 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 almost like I was thrown off the deep end way too quickly. I mean, I'm not, I don't really have a lot of qualms with that particular sequence because it's establishing how these two relate to one another. They have a very jokey, competitive, but close dynamic because these two, we find out, have known each other for a very long time. And I think that's the kind of sequence that would have worked better if this movie had committed purely to that more lighthearted side of the tone. And it is in stark contrast to some of the the darker violence that we get with the Yakuza storylines. I'll, and so I, I understand how you might have had, you might've been, I don't know, a little bit weirded out with getting these two introduced to you in that way. But I, I, I guess it, I let, let me give you a counter then. Do you know whose storyline worked the best for me here? I don't. And I'm very curious to find out. <laughs> Joey Kings. Joey King. Shout out to Joey King. Joey King is not bad in this movie at all. I got to say, they so Joey King's character in this movie, a lot of them have, you know, their, their criminal names. And her criminal is, or her name is The Prince, which just made me laugh because she's probably done something that nobody else in Hollywood has ever done, which is make two movies in a year where they play a character named The Prince and a character named The Princess because she made an action movie earlier this year that went straight to Hulu called The Princess, where once again, she is not named. She's literally just Princess. <laughs> So I was like, I actually literally kind of laughed when I saw her name pop up in the theater. And she is the one who keeps, it's almost like she is able to keep her backstory in. We don't find out that much about her. Just her action is, is, is the thing that's driving the plot forward. Whereas a lot of these other individuals are getting, uh, it's not even exposition. It's long drawn out flashback sequences chock full of information that we do yeah. not need at that time. Yeah, there is a lot of flashing back at the beginning of this movie. Uh, Ladybug gets a couple flashbacks. Lemon and Tangerine get multiple flashbacks of their own. The wolf gets a massive 
Bad Bunny is in this movie yes. for five minutes. Yes. And those four minutes and 50 seconds of the Ari flashback scene. Yeah, it's crazy. So much was made about Bad Bunny being in this movie. And everyone's like, oh, it's his big break as an actor. He's really going to pop off the screen. And a little bit of a spoiler alert here, but his character is one of the first who is killed on the train. So sorry for the spoiler alert there, but I really just want to, if you haven't seen this movie, I want to set you up properly because there is more time looking at his past than he actually spends alive in the present. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if we needed that guy's whole backstory, although I understand how it integrates into the larger plot. Although honestly, bad bunny did not do a bad job. Oh, not at all. He's he, he, his character is kind of one note, unfortunately, but he does a really good job, especially for having to play this like charismatic gangster dude. Like, definitely a great first showing for him. And also, you know what didn't land at all for me? The Thomas the Tank and the, the <laughs> Tank Engines jokes. So, yes. so Brian Tyree Henry's um, character is he Lemon or Tangerine? I they they make some joke about it in the movie, but I forget. He he's Lemon. Okay. He's Lemon, Aaron Taylor-Johnson is Tangerine. So Brian Tyree Henry's character is someone who was obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine growing up. And I I, I don't know, but when when as I was watching him, like, is it, I, I don't care. I, be, the, I'm not connecting to his views on the different Thomas characters. And I can't believe I'm saying this about this movie, but it, it, it's like a joke that was drawn out, which also... Either the seriousness is drawn out, the exposition is drawn out, or the jokes are drawn out. Nothing is... We're not allowed to sit with anything. But, I mean, if well, if it's drawn out, you're getting all kinds of time to sit with it. <laughs> what do you mean? It, uh, I, I wanted it to be shorter so that it was more effective. You mean, I mean, do you mean the movie itself or the bits? Like the Thomas the, the Tank Engine bit? Okay. Like the Thomas the Tank Engine bit did not need to be done 50 times. I did not need to have 50 different flashbacks. Like the the Zazzy Beats flashback, which was so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, she's, she's in the marketing for this movie and I kept waiting for her to show up and I finally realized who she was going to be right before she enters the movie. Uh, someone else who doesn't have a ton of screen time in this movie. And it is kind of fun to see David Leach reusing people because obviously she's in Deadpool 2 and she comes back for a small role in this movie. But yeah, I, I, they do they do show her how she was involved in a different job that Ladybug was involved in. And, and so she ends up on the train too. And uh, again, you have all of these different assassins and underworld figures, storylines weaving in and out of each other. And... I, I do see what you mean, and that a lot of the flashing back does feel a bit unnecessary, or at least drawn out. The wolf in particular, because of how little screen time he actually has, it makes you wonder why we spent so much time with this character, because not only are you building up this person who is then taken out of the movie, you're just taking time away from Ladybug, Lemon and Tangerine, the prince, the father, who's Andrew Koji's character, and the other people who are more important to the actual story of the movie. It's, it, this this movie is one that's thriving off of superfluous information. Absolutely. And I will say, it, I, I think a lot of it is a very intentional choice from, from Leech and yes. from Malkevitz because there's a big through line in this movie about luck. There's this this joke at the beginning because Ladybug is Pitt's character, his, his new handle, because his Maria, his handler, has just started calling it because of his own belief about his luck. He thinks he's really unlucky 
and there's a joke about how he almost gets hit by a truck and he loses his ticket to the train and there's all these other little things that happen with him but she thinks it's because he's he you know he's actually lucky and so she calls him ladybug and there's this big through line about luck. It's one of this, the big themes of this movie, like literally like fate and <laughs> fatalism. It's like on the mind when you're watching the movie and you see the ways that Leech is trying to, or maybe even the script is trying to weave this into the movie because it, you keep seeing these flashbacks and how these characters have run into each other in the past and now they're stuck on this train in the present and how one choice all those years ago has now made something happen all these years later and it feels like they could have gotten a similar impact without all of the unnecessary information or drawn out scenes that add backstory to characters we don't really need backstory for would you agree yes uh and and that's where i don't mind if someone likes this movie because in this superfluous information david leach is doing quite impressive impressive stuff with the action scenes i was gonna say i wanted your take on the action scenes in particular because i'm looking at these movies at with leach as an action director he's one of the biggest voices in action filmmaking right now so i was curious what you'd think and i'm, I'm glad to hear that you liked him because obviously when you recommend a movie to someone i made you watch this for the podcast although you probably would have seen it anyway it's always good to hear that they liked a bit of it so is there any particular scene that stands out to you or any elements of different scenes that you want to pick up on so the wolf flashback i thought with, with with how he manages to kill individuals and then how his family was taken out i thought that was really well done and i'm like i'm only with this character for a couple of minutes which to the overall story is so unimportant but here it, it it's pretty cool it, it, it's honestly pretty cool what they're doing with this or the um as Oh, the scenes that deal with the snake and the the Zazzy beats Brad Pitt fight with the snake that or, or or with yeah with the snake venom I I I'm like oh this is fun this is what I came here to watch this movie for um the when the the scene that you get in the trailer of like dude I don't even know you <laughs> I, I I think that's really nice. And I'm someone who kind of liked the ending action sequence. It's I it's impressive where he's putting the camera. It's impressive how he's using gore. But it doesn't serve the story at all. Well, okay, that's that is interesting. And I think partially like to some extent how much does the do the action sequences need to serve the story, quote unquote? Because obviously you can tell a great action scene that is also emotionally charged and, and teaches us about the characters as we watch them fight or shoot at each other or <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, but in a movie like Bullet Train, I do see what you mean where the action's not necessarily teaching us about the characters. It's it's more so to watch and enjoy. And I don't think that the, the fact that it wasn't building up the characters stood out to me in particular because there's so much else going on with whether it's a joke here or a flashback there, that I didn't really need the action sequences to do any emotional legwork for me. I kind of just wanted people to keep fighting. <laughs> they're on this train, and they're managing, like you said, to, to shoot things pretty well, all things considered, where they're trying to be really faithful to this one-location setting that's not only one location, it is a, a small, narrow train. 
although I I I don't think that this is so for an enjoyable movie. I think it needs to set itself up in the opening scenes to say this is what you're in for you know that's what's so crucial about the beginning of a movie and the ending is did it stick its landing but it starts off as a serious drama and there's a serious story here about like brotherly affection and family ties that is not you don't delve into it that much and it is is kind of background noise to to a comedy that is being I, that's coming through the action that's being I, I i don't know that that comes in later that that's not how you're starting off that feels like it was supposed to at one point be the secondary thing that then came to the forefront and that's where my issue lies with this movie because somewhere deep down there's actually a story of true, I don't know, brotherhood between Lemon and Tangerine that's kind of forgotten about. The the a major idea here is the story of Joey King's character, the prince, dealing with her father, and that's kind of shoved away somewhere. And Brad Pitt's relationship with his handler is, is, is barely a thing, and the script needed so much more. It, it honestly makes me intrigued to read the novel because i wonder if the original story balances these things these different themes and these different stories better with each other because kind of like what you're saying when you focus on this many characters and you have each of them kind of going through something different you don't have as much time to dig into the different themes that you're working out with each of them so ladybug is on his thing where he's trying to become a better person he keeps quoting from his therapist and he's trying to wrestle with his place in the world and then you have lemon and tangerine who have this brotherly bond that they're exploring in the movie and how you know how much will they be able to sacrifice for each other to keep the job going you have the father who is teamed up a little bit against his will with the prince trying to figure out what happened to his son and even the elder, who is his father, who gets involved and has something else going on entirely. There is and there's just so many different storylines and themes here that not everything gets fully developed. And it, it makes me laugh a little, or not makes me laugh, but I think it's funny that you're kind of complaining about the action is that although it's well shot, well done, that it's not necessarily building up the story because it's moments like that lemon and tangerine scene that we talked about where they're comparing kill counts. <laughs> this like previous job of theirs that actually does teach us about the characters and shows us their dynamic in a way that other flashbacks and action scenes don't necessarily do. But I, I do understand what you're saying in, in that a lot of the movie is unfortunately a little bit underbaked and there's just a lot going on. And if you like that sort of movie where everything is there, like it's a lot there and it's all done about 60 to 75% as well as it could have been done, then you'll definitely have a better time with this, especially if the jokes make you laugh, you like the action scenes. But I can also I see didn't like the British accents. complaints there. <laughs> you didn't like the British accents? No. For Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is British. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know, and, and and Brian Tyree Henry, who's 
definitely British. He's, Joey he's, King, who's British. He's not. Well, I mean, I, I suppose that's fair. That's fair. I forgot that she was doing a British accent, too. Aaron Taylor Johnson, at least, is actually English. Wait, why is Joey King doing a British accent? Uh, because she's posing... her. So, the prince's story for being on the train and how she gets involved is that she is posing as this innocent girl who she's trying to figure out some of the, you know, the underworld so stuff, she, too. Does she want to give off like British orphan vibes? Is that yes, what she's I doing? I think so. I think that's ex- okay. like that's exactly what she's going at. I got it. I got it now. Um anyway, that I I don't I don't know. I don't have much else to say about the movie except that I mean, I, I mean Brad Pitt is supposed to be the headliner, right? Yeah, it's it surprised me because it's really more of an ensemble movie and Early on, we spend a lot of time with Lemon and Tangerine and not nearly as much time with Brad Pitt. And I ultimately, I think it's fine. But what did you think? I, I think Brad Pitt's kind of funny in this movie. And if all of his he's the one person who doesn't have any serious moments to him. And if we had stayed with him or with um, there are a couple of celebrity cameos here. Should I name drop? Do we do we care about that spoiler? No, yeah, let's let's keep that secret in case people haven't seen it yet. There are a few cameos. I would say Zazie Beats kind of amounts to a glorified cameo. She's got a few minutes of screen time, but there are some other people who are not in the trailers, not in the posters, who unexpectedly show up. So if you're going to talk about a cameo, I would say talk about it generally, not not specifically who it is. The people the two specific cameos I'm thinking of, I you I, I, I think you know who I'm going for. I sure do. <laughs> they are funny. And they're there for seconds at a time. And I feel like that's a different movie. That everything Brad Pitt was touching is a different movie. But I, I, I feel like if they actually wanted this to be a comedy, it would have worked. But they were so tied to this source material... That all of a sudden I'm caring about. All right, um, there is there, there's there's this isn't really a spoiler. Logan Lerman is in this movie. For yeah, a... I know. Oh my! <laughs> I was like, I was staring at him so intently because I'm like, is that is that Logan Lerman? I was turning to the people around me in the theater like, hey, is that Logan? Lerman? <laughs> I just couldn't tell if it was him or not. Yeah, and, and the, these he ha- he holds no purpose. He holds zero purpose in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing the son of the White Death, who has been collected by Lemon and Tangerine, and part of their mission on the train is to get him back to the White Death and do it safely. He's and, a glorified prop. Yeah, he's he is not a real character, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it, it's it's if if why are you adapting this novel because it feels like you don't care about what this novel is about if i'm to believe that this novel is actually a serious story about this crime family i mean part of it is it's frankly just like it's it's business it's what hollywood does hollywood adapts novels adapts plays and musicals adapts old movies and remakes them and i mean this movie changed a lot in in development in process one of the producers is antoine fuqua who um, you know, you've probably seen an Antoine Fuqua movie. His most most notable movie is probably Training Day, but he's been making movies for years. He's a producer on this movie, and apparently when he originally acquired the rights, it was going to be more of 
a, a serious thriller. So a little bit of lightheartedness because it says apparently he's going to make it in the vein of Die Hard, you know, so Die Hard on a train. But it turned into more of a, an action comedy, like a full-blown jokey thing along the development process. And it just makes you wonder when that entered in the development process. Did they have multiple writers who were working on the script and ultimately Okevis is the only one who got credited? Or were they trying to make the serious elements work, but they thought it would be more profitable to make it sillier? Because honestly, that's probably true. Where serious... It's doing good business. It's doing yeah. very good business. Serious, hard-hitting thrillers just don't make as much money as they used to, unfortunately. I don't know. I feel like Christopher Nolan proves that wrong at times. I, I feel like we can find some examples... Yeah, and strangely enough, Bullet Train is actually the biggest opening for a non-IP film since Tenet, which at least Tenet was actually an original script, and on Bullet Train is adapted from a source novel, but it's the biggest non-superhero or Fast and Furious <laughs> opening of the last couple of years. So, it, obviously, it's paying off, and it seems like people are liking it quite a bit. It's got a good rating on Letterboxd, good rating on IMDb, less so critically and I, I think there's a lot to like about it even if it's not my favorite david leach movie not my favorite recent action movie not my favorite brad pitt movie <laughs> like i i think overall my take on it is that it's it's pretty good you can definitely this could have been so much worse it could have been a train wreck but it didn't meet my expectations unfortunately and, and, and to me this falls under the i could see myself putting this on in the background as i make some cocktails for people and saying oh look this is the bad bunny part <laughs> oh look zazzy beats is here I, oh yeah, look was... the the father finally met brad pitt <laughs> i uh I, I heard someone else on a podcast say this is the kind of movie that i probably will never watch again until there's a four-hour version of it on, of it on tnt and i'm like taking a nap on a sunday and like, you just turn it on and you're like, like you said, oh, it's the bad bunny part. Like, I'll watch this and then I'll fall asleep and I'll, I'll wake up when they're putting the bomb in the suitcase. You know, like, it's, it's certainly one of those movies where you might put it on in the background or who knows, maybe it'll, it'll find some love over the years. Um, I'm trying to think, Christian, if I had anything else I wanted to made sure that we touched on, but talked about the action, talked about the cast, talked about the whitewashing. Talked about the writing and the themes. What do you think of Sandra Bullock in this movie? She gets to be a voice for almost all of it and then shows up for two seconds at the end. Any love for Sandy? Sandy B? I I hope that she gets all of the craft coffee she wants with the paycheck she got for this movie. (laughs) Yeah, she's, uh, she's doing all right. She's sort of working her way back into Hollywood. She was, of course, in The Lost City earlier this year, which also had Brad Pitt. I would love to get to that level of fame where, for me, it's like, yeah, let me put in a day's work and get paid millions of dollars. I mean, for real. (laughs) There's the two cameos I'm talking to you about. They were definitely paid well to be here. I I do wonder, because I I think there's some... uh, there are some other shared projects that they had with people who were also a part of this movie where I can definitely see it being like a favor situation. Like, Hey, show up and you know, you'll get like, you get, we'll give you like a hundred grand to do like five minutes on this movie, which is still insane and more money than I make in a very long time. But 
Who knows, man? And I mean, I guess when it comes down to it, Christian, would you recommend Bullet Train? Would you say people go out and see it or would you say wait for it to be rented or wait till it's on TNT? Like, how would you recommend people see this movie if they're still interested? I so I, I recently had the experience of watching a, a TV show episode on a big screen. And therefore, especially with this movie, no, watch what I, I think you should go and watch it in a the theater. I think you will. It's not a waste of your money. It's just not going to be your favorite movie ever. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid and, and a good theater experience as well, because there is a lot of good action here that you hopefully find enjoyable. I definitely think we'll do better as we get in deeper into this marathon, but glad we had it as an excuse to kick things off. So, folks, that is Bullet Train, which obviously is in theaters now. Go check it out. Go support your local movie theater. See it at a non-AMC or Cinemark or Regal or whatever you want if you can help it but hey maybe check it out in the mc too of course david leach our new blend of the month here looking at his work in recent action cinema is going to continue and next week we're going to take a look at john wick as previously stated i have to say christian i am extremely excited because i've become a bit of a john wick devotee over the years since i saw this one originally i saw the sequels in theaters but i I saw this one after the fact and regretted it because i wished i could have seen it on the big screen so i'm really pumped to check it out again give it a good rewatch and this is the one that you have seen from david leach other than deadpool 2 correct yeah and it's fine just absolute heresy travesty crimes against cinema can't wait to make you watch this again and then change your mind next week on the podcast so if you are wanting to follow along john wick with us unfortunately i did not have a lot of foresight and this is not streaming anywhere right now at this moment on august 10th at 6 p.m pacific hopefully it pops up somewhere on some weekend because some streamer is like hey david leach has a movie in theaters let's put more of his movies on streaming services but If they don't, it is available to rent pretty much anywhere you can rent movies, and hopefully you can also find it at your local library, or maybe you got a a, a friend with a DVD. Do it that way too. But hey, check out John Wick. We're going to discuss it next week on the podcast. And until then, that is our show. So, of course, thank you so much if you're still here and listening along to the show. Christian and I greatly appreciate you listening along to our discussions. And it means a lot to know that there are people out there who are following along and helping us build this little community of, of um, cinema drippers. Is that did that? What, what kind of no. name would we pick for the community, Christian? Drip. Uh, the we, drippies we... are taken for our awards at the end of the year. Are they, are they the drips? Drippers? The beans. The beans. Because we're coffee theme. Yeah, that could work. Hey, I mean, if you got an idea for what you want to be called, listeners, you can always send us an email. (laughs) Oh, what a segue! We have an email, folks. It's cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Christian is rolling his eyes so hard, I think that has popped out. But you should send us an email if you want to give us some feedback on the show, if you had thoughts on Bullet Train that we missed or if you have an idea for what we should call the uh the fandom here for this podcast (laughs) we greatly appreciate any and all feedback and love to shout out listeners who do email in on the show so again that's cinema drip podcast at gmail.com there are also a few other things you can do to support the show which are of course subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and a review if you are able on that platform helps us reach new listeners and also just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside so you should do that if you can we would appreciate it you can also follow myself and the show on twitter and christian on instagram and both of us are on letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching christian any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home no none 
None. Nothing? Nope. Do you want to flash back to an important moment in your life that helped inform the way you got to this moment today? I was at a Q&A Michael Keaton was at. Q&A. <laughs> Imagine the Michael Keaton Q&A flashback as the camera swirls around Christian, seeing his thoughts percolating and, and, and growing in his mind as he thinks about Bullet Train and only wished that Michael Keaton could have been in that movie too. Until next time, folks, I'm Scott, he's Christian, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.